I gotta do one thing before we start because I need a coffee and it's gonna be loud. Gosh, Josh, what were you doing? So I had the time to go and make a a a subject appropriate uh, drink for just for this episode. Uh, oh, and it's not even well done coffee. This is like a, some sort of like sort of sort of like curry. Dried. So, so Josh is now solely responsible for climate change. It's an espresso. It's not a Keurig. Not a sponsor. Nespresso never will be. I mean, if you want me to get into craft cocktails, we can. I can go. I can. I can do an episode by myself. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is true because you did introduce it to that fantastic place, um, Amore yeah. di Amaro in in New York. Amore di Amaro, yeah, that's that's just, that that place is just class, just spectacular and, and unusual. I was talking to a very beautiful, um, I'm going to say seventy ish woman about that exact uh, location. Mm. It was Florida, and that's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> Tell people to come to New York City and drink, uh, drink really classy cocktails made with yeah. uh, with, with, with amaros. Yeah, and we were talking about Zach, the bartender. Hmm. I don't know Zach. Oh, I have met Zach. Yeah, he laughs like he's Seth Rogen. There you go. <laughs> he's got that. He's got that great laugh. So, is, is it just me who did? Who, who else saw Seth Rogen becoming a a style god as portrayed in GQ? I did not see that coming. <laughs> I haven't read that issue yet. Uh, it, it's a really good issue, um, and I, I mean, I, I I like Seth Rogen. I think he's he's done some fine work, and goes from strength to strength. Uh, was not, and he's rocking his style in this one. It, it is it is is pretty it's pretty damn good, and it's a, it's a fun read as well. But. Um, Yep, didn't see that one last time. Yeah, when I saw it, yeah. when, when Pineapple Express hit the scene, yeah. didn't see that happening. When you were watching Forty Year Old Virgin, <laughs> right? You're like, that's Seth Rogen. That's, that's that's cover material right there. But again, uh, more excellent point of you know when you when you make the effort, you go with intent. You know, look what could be done, especially with a team of stylists. Yeah, okay. If you have a team of Hollywood stylists and trainers, and you still look like Seth Rogen, this is not <laughs> the name. intention. Very much intention. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I, I you know dandies, I, I think we can. Let's take a, a breather from from clothing and 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 grooming. If you picked up on our last episode, uh, it, it is such great weather. New York City at this time of year is just, mm, I, I love it. Uh, everyone's dressed nicely. Everyone's just so happy to be out of you know the winter, and you want to get out there and you want to have some cocktails. You want to enjoy uh, this great weather. Uh, I'm sure it's the same for for all of you. Uh, I want to talk today about cocktails. So before we jump in, welcome everybody to the Modern Dandy's Guide to Manliness. I want to know what is a cocktail. Let's let's define this right up front. Um, Liam, can you give us your definition? What is a cocktail? So I'm actually going to do something really unusual. Is that I'm going to defer to Josh because I think that Josh has an even deeper appreciation of cocktails and the history of cocktails than than I do. I mean, obviously, um, so I think we're probably on par on a consumption level. Uh, <laughs> but uh, 
but I know that, that Josh, I mean, this is, this is a passion that you and I share. And, mm-hmm. and I think um, uh, I'm going to toss that one to you because it's something that you and I have discussed. Sure. So if you want to get real nerdy and real technical and uh, there's actually, if, Oh, and we do, we do. Yes, please. Uh, yes, please. There's a new book out that, that its title is exactly what a cocktail is, which is spirit, sugar, water, bitters. So any combination thereof uh, is, is traditionally what is defined as a cocktail. Very concise. <laughs> Sorry, I'm used to Liam going for, for quite a bit. Sorry, Mudcat, go ahead. <laughs> you caught me like mid, you know, doing some host-like things, pushing some buttons and clicking some things. <laughs> and, well, I, I left it intentionally like open-ended club, club, Pressing buttons and nothing happens. Oh. <laughs> oh. Very true, very true. Uh, Mudcat, I was kind of talking over you there. What, what were you saying? See, I'm deeply suspicious of this definition. I mean, if we're being literal, right, in, in terms of uh, sugar, bitters, etc., a margarita is not a cocktail. There's no bitters in a margarita. It is when I make it. Bitters, as in like stuff that comes out of a, a dropper bottle. I mean, it, it can be any kind of bittering. And I, a so we would say the lime juice is the bittering agent or the, in, a, in a margarita? Maybe. Maybe, or it could be a, a non-traditional cocktail, but yeah. So my source for all of these things is Dave Wondrich, who's the cocktail editor at Esquire. And he's written a bunch mm-hmm. of books on this. And I think the Wondrich approach to this is anytime you have a, an alcohol in a mixer, you're having a cocktail. So I, hmm. and it could just be being snobby, highly likely. I, I don't regard the simple combinations, the even to a degree gin and tonics necessarily, but you know, I, I know Mudcat, you've been talking about rum and cokes, rum and cokes, things like that. I don't necessarily regard those as what I would certainly call a classic cocktail. Yep. Um, they are a mixture, but or a mixed drink. Many places they're just called a mixed drink. They're not called a cocktail. And a cocktail itself is is a blend, whether it's shaken or stirred, of of two or more ingredients and lime or, or a splash or something like that could count as an ingredient. And for me, when I'm talking about cocktails, that's, that's kind of what I do. And I'm, I'm chewing on Josh's definition now uh, mm-hmm. because I also don't add a lot of sugar. I don't use a lot of simple syrup in my, in my cocktails, but ver- I'll vermouth, use other things. Use vermouth and that's, that's a sweetener. Oh, true. That's true. And, and uh-huh. looking at my cocktail right now, I also have shrubbery in it. So, well, there you so go. Um, no, it, it's a it's a it's an interesting question on you know is the you know a vodka soda a cocktail or just a mixed? If drink, you want to you throw know, in mixed gin and tonic, gets complicated. Verbiage, I'm fine with that. Then there's a whole ton of stuff that gets parked in mixed drink. And when you say, I mean, uh-huh. we're quickly going down a rabbit hole that is just nomenclature because when you talk about classic cocktails, I think there are like 18 classic cocktails. Right. There's the old fashioned, the Manhattan, you know, because of my strong New Orleans influence, uh, a corpse reviver is a classic cocktail. So are actually mm-hmm. classic cocktails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like things that, you know, every proper dandy knows the recipe to. And I think when I was using classic, I was, I was rather than, than the particular classics is, is the, as hence why I'm thinking about Josh's definition is that, you know, it's very, a lot of very spirit forward ones. You can have ones that are blended with juices, like your classic Caribbean cocktails, 
which are a mixture of rums and fruit yeah, juices, yeah. which would be both a, a bittering and a sweetening agent. God love of a painkiller. Um, painkiller oh, forever. Then we're back to that weekend. The, the thing in Tinfiakis with the biscuits and porn place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, yeah. God, that, that's one like, <laughs> the best drink I've ever had. Like, there was, we were in Vieques, and like the first bar when you get off the boat is, you know, this sort of like, you know, kind of divey bar in Vieques. And, you know, painkillers on the menu. When you're in the Caribbean, you should have painkiller. And,. I guess for the listeners who are it was unaware, perfectly blended. Uh, it was perfectly blended. It was just like the perfect level of chilled oh, ice man. and coconut and orange juice, nutmeg, rums, and and so we drank two of them, and then we the died. first one. <laughs> the first one just like uh, went all to my knees, and I was just relaxed. Right, like it's like oh, I'm officially on vacation. Out. The yep. the second one earned its name. I didn't feel shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Now you're you're bringing up a great kind of occasion, you know. So you've got the drinks while on vacation. What are some other occasions and and kind of the cocktail you like to go for? So you know, example might be you know the happy hour cocktail. Uh, could be with colleagues. Could be with friends. What are some other of your occasions uh, that where you enjoy a good cocktail uh, and let's stay away from it ends in why uh, <laughs> 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 let's uh, I'm interested to kind of see like as dandies, like where, where do we start making our pairings? How does the social atmosphere or the parties involved affect your uh, decision-making in, in selecting a cocktail? Josh, uh, any kind of favorites? Setting and pairing. Setting and pairing. Um, I tend to go for whiskey-based cocktails, rye-based cocktails most of the time. Um, you know, I, I've got a, a bartender friend who has a, a T-shirt that says brown, bitter, boozy, and stirred, and that that's kind of where I go. Uh, but, you know, you're sitting out on the beach in the summer, you want a margarita. You're, you know, in your backyard, maybe you want something that's gin-based. Yeah. Matching to the occasion, it's all personal preference. But you know, if I'm at a garden party and I'm surrounded by a lot of flowers, I might want something that's a little more floral. I might go for a gin drink. Um, if it's winter, I want something's going to warm me up. I'm going to go with something you know rye based, amaro based, uh, some combination of rye and amaro. Um, you know, just kind of like when you're when you're drinking wine, you try to match the weight of the wine to the weight of the food. I try to match the 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 weight of my cocktail to you know, some collection of weather and mood and things like that. Let me throw a, a, a couple of occasions out there and, uh, and then you can kind of come back with, with some of the, the cocktails that you would associate with. Um, let's go uh, like a, a work outing with, with the work colleagues. Um, are you cutting fast and loose with, with heavier spirits? Are you trying to be more reserved? Uh, you know, Liam, where, where's your head at there with, uh, work functions so if it's like a smaller uh dinner like an executive dinner then i'll often go with a manhattan or a, a gin up gin martini up um either with a twist or, or with olives 
Um, I actually have one with olives right now, slightly briny. Um, it's like someone's dangled the balls of a bull in it. You know, it's like that saltiness. Um, why? <laughs> Just why? <laughs> please, please refer back to our previous episode. <laughs> um, uh, I, I don't tend to talk like that during business meetings, but it depends on what the business wow. is. But I, I'm like I'm with Josh. Is that I'll, I'll tend to to let my let, let the situation dictate. During summer, I tend to like the lighter alcohols. Um, I go for the warmer ones during winter. But for you know, out with colleagues, it depends on my role. If I'm there with with peers, with other executives, I'll I'll often order a, a stronger drink. Um, if I'm there as a leader and and therefore representing the leadership of the company, I'll, I'll often be much more circumspect. Yeah. I, I may have a glass of wine or um, a, you know, a gin and tonic rather than, than sort of my preference, which is like boozy, boozy drinks with an attitude that, that stand up on their hind legs and roar. Right. <laughs> yeah. oh, is so that- can, we, can we talk about flaming cocktails yeah. towards the end? Because flaming- I think we have to. <sighs> just, just, like, <laughs> just like things, things you can obviously tell that I'm getting like really excited about. Right. Uh, it's, like, it's like cocktails that are on fire. It's like my favorite things. And then I've got well, stories I, to go with it. Well, let's, let's go right in. We don't have to wait till the end. I well, want to hear about things wait, that are on I'll fire. Do my, yeah, what do you do for work thing? Um, because I have two cocktails that I drink when I'm not drinking. Right, like I, you can just kind of throw them at me by the barrel full, and I'm fine. Like Liam said, the gin and tonic, right? And I'm very particular about my gin. There are pretty much only three gins that I drink these days, and that's Tangeray, Aviator, and the Green Hat. Um, mm. Mm. And all of them tend to be very juniper forward, and that's what I dig. The yep. Uh, Gin and tonic, I can drink them all night and not feel like I'm drinking. Um, and the sidecar, which is a brandy-based drink that I feel like most people overlook in the current cocktail culture. Like it's bright, it's citrusy, it's sweet, it's brandy. It's not a bourbon or a heavier liquor. And you mm-hmm. can throw back four of those and not feel like like you've made terrible decisions. See, I, I can't Yet. because of the sugar. <laughs> the sugar gets to me. Real fast. Yeah. I, I agree with Josh on that one. I, I do like the sidecar. I do agree. I think as as basis, um, brandy is really overlooked in a lot of, of cocktail culture at the moment. I'm glad vodka has gone away and that gin is coming back because I, I, I'm actually, again, I've got a huge selection of gins at the moment. Um, actually, oh, no, thank a lot of them. Um, but uh, the one I have at the moment is I, I actually have the botanist, so the, the Islay gin. I don't have a, a, a botanist martini sitting right here. Um, there are just so many great things happening with gin, uh, and I'm I'm just super happy about the whole. You know, thing. I suspect that uh, this is the same reason that we're seeing a lot of unproofed and unbonded whiskeys, right? You don't have to age gin, and there's been such an explosion in the spirit market that the commercial distilleries who are actually making the bottom line product are out of aged mm-hmm. product. So. Mm-hmm. They, that's why you're seeing a lot of the white lightnings here in Tennessee. You're seeing a lot of the white whiskeys. And, you know, there's a ton of gins and vodkas coming to market, but, you know, nobody's bringing a new brandy, a new brown liquor to market. They're doing such great things with the choice of herbs and you know, not just the classic junipers, 
but just with other herb combinations in the gins that some of them are just delicious. Yeah. I really like what Bloom is doing as well as the other, the, the classics. Every time I go in, I just like see a gin and I just like go, hello, you're coming home with me. Just some so great I stuff. So I found one. Yeah, my cat mentioned the, uh, the, the Green Hat gin, which is, you know, the first distillery to open it in the District of Columbia since Prohibition. And if I remember correctly, the reason they came out with a gin first is they they plan on being a whiskey distillery, but they needed, you know, four to eight years to get mm-hmm. product yeah. aged. So in the meantime, they were selling gin while their stuff aged, and it's delicious. It took me a long time to pick up on the on the gins, um, and I think it's just partly because of the age that I was at. Uh, I, I you know was not in my budget to get to the quality factor you needed um, to to truly enjoy the gins that that I have sampled over at uh, Liam's house, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I gotta say. It, I agree with everything that's been said about the gins lately. They're they're taking such strides to create a, a good experience, um, even when you're just taking them neat, you know. But to put them into cocktails and so forth, I'm hoping we could hold the the things that are on fire for just a moment because I wanted to get into what your drink order can say as far as a self expression in the same way that we've talked about accessories. Uh, in other episodes, and and Liam, you caught me thinking when you were you were differentiating whether you were being a leader or if you were with peers in a work setting, uh, a social setting. Is it purely just the alcohol content and keeping you know yourself in, in check, you know the the inebriation, or is it also just a little bit of uh, how a drink can be self expressive in in defining taste? It's more for me. It's more the latter than the former. Is that you know, uh, a one one martini or like a classic martini, like gin martini, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, isn't really going to to affect my behaviour too much. You know, I'm genetically and predisposed, plus of a lot of practice. It's more about the impression that it leaves with the staff and, and the people around me. The other time is that I, is that if there are people who, for personal or religious reasons, don't drink, unless I'm sure it's okay with them, in order to show respect, is that I often won't drink. However, on the flip side, if if people are just you know, going along and ordering iced tea because they're you know they're worried about the impression of of drinking at lunchtime, particularly at lunchtime meetings, is that I have been known to let an entire table go around ordering iced tea and then order myself a a martini up, almost as a as a as an icebreaker, just to just to differentiate and show that you know people don't have to be so buttoned down and so concerned about how they're they're thinking and feeling about things. Absolutely, and it, it and there's there's a whole cultural aspect to that. But as you were telling the story, I, I went immediately to the Dave Chappelle sketch about the Samuel Jackson beer and it, the, it was just a bunch of white businessmen around and it was a breakfast meeting and he's like, Oh, the Sam Jackson, like it's 10 in the morning, Jim, but it's true. The, there's a, there's a feeling in the U S and I don't know why, but it's this idea that you can't have alcohol at a lunch meeting and it's typically late in the day. Now, I guess it depends on the industry. My industry, of course, being with audio, is a little bit looser. Yeah, man, but, I work in politics. Uh, yeah, like I, I find that. Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it has no, no one here on this episode really has encountered <laughs> this. <laughs> it's less cool if you're in, for example, air traffic control. 
exactly. <laughs> exactly. There are certain industries where 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 I, I don't play this game. Um, uh, and in the in the government and the, the sector that I work in before and, and and back working in now, yeah, there's there's a lot about that. There's a lot about you can't do, you can't do. There are rules and regulations that state what you are and aren't allowed to do. Which I, I understand, and it's but it's still after all of these years, grates on me to to have to comply with. So I'll sometimes like leave these things like immediately go into the nearest dive bar and have a shot, you know, <laughs> just like f you the system. Take take that. Take take <laughs> take that. Or or, or I, I drag the people that I like and say, hey, let's go to uh, you know off the record in the bar at the bottom of the the Hay Adams Hotel, which is where I, I frequently go, um, and uh, and they they. They do this. Um, their their Manhattans were basically a quarter <laughs> of a bottle of bullet uh, with a cherry. Yeah. All right. I want to hear stories about stuff on fire. Okay. Can I tell them about when when me and a friend set a bar on fire in Switzerland? <laughs> I think that's the best place to start. I think you have to now. I had to go to Switzerland for work, and a friend of mine, my friend Peter, said, "Oh, I'll I'll drive over from London." Uh, he wasn't doing much else at the time. And uh, and we'll you know, go skiing. And I, one of my colleagues was a really good skier. I'm not a good skier. I ski like a helicopter crash. It's terrible. So I sent them up the mountain and they came back. And I'd, I'd done some research and talked to my Swiss colleagues. I said, oh, there's this good bar that the locals go to just around the back. It's a place in Edelboden in, uh, in Switzerland. And so we're going, okay. Uh, and my friend Peter had managed to kill off my colleague Charlie on the slopes. And he just went to bed. So Peter and I went out and we go to this bar. And it's really good. It's a nice locals bar. And we're talking to some of the locals, and Peter's like going. Uh, and Peter and I used to work together, whereupon our nicknames were Chaos and Mayhem, uh, which is is that he was he was he was Chaos, which is uncontrolled, and I was Mayhem, which was like Chaos that had some level of self control. And uh, it was Chaos with intent. It was Chaos with intent, exactly. And so uh, we're in this bar, and, and we get talking to some of the locals, and there's this this young guy who just turned 18 and his uncles were all taking him out to get him hammered for his is is like oh swiss this is funny yeah uh, and so peter's like going well we should do black sambuca shots and i'm just like going hmm, that sounds good and so we start lining up these sambuca shots anyone who's ever drunk sambuca and knows that when they when they do it in europe is they put a coffee bean on top of it and they set it on fire and then you have to make sure you don't set yourself on fire while, you, while you're drinking these shots of Sambuca. And so we're drinking beer and Sambuca shots, and this goes on for a little bit. And the barman lines up another six of these Sambuca shots. And the, the young lad is getting hammered by this point and reaches forward and stumbles and then knocks all six of the Sambuca shots down the bar. <laughs> and so like something from Indiana Jones, the entire <laughs> length of the bar catches on fire. And Peter and I are looking at ourselves and we're looking at the barman and the barman is looking at us and all the locals are looking at us and we're going, in this equation, who gets arrested? <laughs> and, 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 and so we, we basically like took a bunch of money and it's like made it rain. It's like, see you later. We're out of here. And, and sort of bailed out of bailed out of the bar while everyone was like busy busy sort of like patting the the trying to try to put out these flames with uh, with like bar towels and things like this so so we, we made a, a actually wasn't very graceful exit at all rapid exit I think expedient exit <laughs> yes um, henceforth oh yes so blaming drinks so this was uh, a, a drinks. real oh, so experience good. for me and and the, I don't know if this is like a, if it's a southern thing or if it's just like you know a, a drunk kid thing. But 
For me, the the original on fire drink was a flaming Dr Pepper, and you take, you know, three shots of amaretto, float some whiskey on top, set the whiskey on fire, and then drop it into a beer and chug it. Go on. What <laughs> <laughs> a story. Well, that was like how I came to understand that like you can you can have drinks on fire and they're fantastic. So I, I try and instill everywhere I go, I try and get the bar people to set things on fire for me. And uh, near where I live is a place called uh, Little Hole in the Wall Speakers called the, Captain Gregory. And, and I finally they mm-hmm. did do the flaming tiki bowl, and they've done a few other ones. Um, infamously, there was a one of my rugby mates in in Berkeley got married, and the really nice wedding up in the Oakland Hills, looking out over the, um, the, the the bay and all the rest of it. Perfect weather. It was actually very cool because they got married on a train. They met on the on the Bart system, and so their entire wedding ceremony lasted the journey between Macarthur Bart and Rockville Bart, and and so we all turned up in our wedding gear. Got on Bart, and the 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 officiant made it the entire three and a half minute three and a half minute wedding ceremony, and then because we needed to get back to our cars, we redid it for the for the cameras on the way back. Most surprised people you've ever seen on Bart in in your life. Um, but anyway, so so that went well, and the after party was fine. It was the party after the after party where we went to this tiki bar in Berkeley. Um, uh, what was it called? Kona. The Kona Bar up the top of of, of uh, the main drag there in in on the Berkeley Oakland border, and and I, I realized it's a really bad thing to do when you when you walk into this bar. It's a great bar. Um, I, I went up and I said, I want four tiki bowls. I want them to be on fire, and price is no option. Um, that was a mistake. Shocker. And. <laughs> And when I when I can I was, picture I can picture Liam doing this. <laughs> this is a great video happening and, in my head. <laughs> and so they the, when I saw them pouring probably like four ounces of Bacardi one fifty one into each bowl, Oof. and and then they set it on fire, and I was just like, oh, "Drinks on fire!" You know, older cool guy, and and everyone starts drinking, and I, I take a sip, and I, I drink some of it. And I'm just like going, I have to get out of here now. And it's just it was when Uber was still only doing Uber Blacks. And so I order Uber on my on my on my phone. And this 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 town car turns up and I just leave. I don't tell anyone. I've signed off the bill. I'm just I'm just getting out of here. This this is all going to go to shit. And and I live out and my and my friend Steve Changalong and Ding Dong comes out and this this black car turns up. It's a town car. And open the back door. Steve just picks me up throws me in the back of the car, jumps in on top of me and goes to the driver, drive, drive, drive. And the driver, good sport that he is, just floors it, slams the door and we're off. So in the 15 minutes or the 10 minutes after we left, the whole place just descended into a massive flaming alcohol-fueled riot where the Berkeley police got called and people got banned for life from this place and it was all to do with flaming cocktails. Still not sorry, but good story. Excellent story. I, Excellent I, use of drinks that are on fire. <laughs> See, Josh. I, I famously went with some other uh, Politico friends of mine. We were we were in a bar in, in Charleston, South Carolina, and one of them decided he was going to order around a hot rod Lincolns. Uh, the bartender had really no idea what that was, and I'm not sure he wasn't making it up. But as they asked us to leave, you know, the last thing they said to us was, "Sir." 
we don't set drinks on fire in this establishment. <laughs> so we also had a problem where, you know, cocktails being lit on fire resulted in our ejection, but there were no cocktails uh, and uh, no fire. It, that is very sad. Um, it, I, it I, we had the same thing. It's like, again, me and my friend Peter would go around the world trying to get people to make flaming Lamborghinis. Um, <laughs> and, and a flaming Lamborghini. So it's difficult to find the accurate rep- recipe, but it's something like blue curacao, creme de menthe. It's like gin or or vodka or something like that. I think it's gin. Um, and then, This is the thing you consume voluntarily? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it gets better. But, but wait, <laughs> there's to. more. I, I'm, I'm totally pitchmanning you on this one. And, and so you have that, and then you put a float of like high proof brandy or, or or like rum, anything that'll set on fire on top. So it's this blue drink. And and then the trick to this is that <clears throat> you have a shot of Bailey's to one side, and that after the drink is set on fire, you have a plastic straw, and you have to. Drink the drink while the bar staff is pouring the Baileys into the top of the rest of it before your straw catches on fire. And God. so, so firstly, I mean, it tastes. This is awful. back when you can have straws. This is back when you can have straws. <laughs> it's like, so it was great fun. We were doing this. We finally found this bar in Melbourne and Australia. We we're working in, in Melbourne for for a, a project. That was a, a, a Filipino guy who ran a tiki bar in the middle of Melbourne who would stay open until 3 a.m. while we got hammered and was quite prepared to set cocktails on fire, even though that was – I'm not going to mention the name of the bar. That was that was because the, the Melbourne had said that setting setting cocktails on fire is illegal and a health hazard, blah, 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 blah. As we're like going, oh, well, yeah, bite me. But and, we want to. <laughs> and, but, we, but we want to. And this guy was just like going – we were spending like silly money. And and so he would be making these cocktails, and his, his bar staff actually got quite proficient at these flaming Lamborghinis. You're also not not supposed to serve people who are who are uh, unconscious or um, like asleep on the bar. But he just ignored that too. This was basically the best barman in the whole of Australia. And I, I would say we were obviously very nicely going back to some of the things. We're very nicely presented. We were proper suits we come from london all those kind of things but boy oh boy um yeah so so flaming lamborghinis did also end up being the the other one which is my shortest story which goes along the lines of so i was drinking flaming lamborghinis in a hotel bar in rome surrounded by 300 italian riot police and it occurred to me that italian women are gorgeous but italian women with submachine guns are utterly irresistible now all of that is actually true and again, relates around the flaming Lamborghini. So there's a point and in each we episode into where John Wick three. <laughs> <laughs> there's a point in each episode where we realize we've gone off the rails. <laughs> I think we're about six minutes late. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder now if I could take it back to a serious note because I find these stories highly entertaining, uh, as I usually do from from stories with Liam and his adventures, uh, particularly with Mudcat. I'm learning. Um, I want to ask a serious question, though. We have talked about how to have fun without being a douchebag. Mm. Looking back, and this is not a judgment. This is a this is an actual question. I, I am unsure of the answer. Would you, the 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 person of today, look back and see some of these things? Would you approach it differently now? Would you, because? I fully agree. This is an excellent story. No one died. The, these bars did not burn down. They were put out quickly. Uh, no one was harmed. <laughs> but, I mean, 
to 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 hold ourselves a little bit accountable on on some of the topics we talk about uh what what do we think about that you know is it uh is it still carefree are we is it still all in good fun is there a little bit of concern nowadays are we are we losing the fun aspect of it so uh, just I, just kind of thinking here i uh, think it's a great uh, observation to make and one thing i will say about all, all of the stories that i have uh that i've just been talking about and boy oh boy there are so many more um <laughs> one of the things going back to, to being to being like like what is it to be douchey is douchey is to impose your fun on other people so they can't have fun and mm, good yeah i agree with one that. of one of the things that 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 runs through this is firstly i i i love my friends and sometimes we've taken it over the edge and we tend to police ourselves but if we see people getting uncomfortable we'll we, we will stop doing what we're doing uh and and i will say about the 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 swiss not renowned as a people having a sense of humor they did find the situation generally quite amusing uh but that didn't mean that we were we were going to stay there and, and like see what happened afterwards um time to go and uh well, and that's that's a good point there is that in these stories you looked at this situation and you're like this is going to go beyond what i am prepared to be comfortable with and as and as John, yeah, no, now you may have been started the, the, some shit and go the reason why it's what all of these stories. However, <laughs> <laughs> that's why we call Liam the devil. But the uh, uh, Josh had made a point in a previous episode, which is that you you can't police others beyond a certain point of of your own comfort, and and sometimes just removing yourself from the situation is the best tactic. So I do also see the trend in your stories, which is that. Okay, I, this is this is getting too far. I need to remove myself from the situation, and and I don't believe that to be skirting responsibility, because everything I've heard so far, I hear that everyone's having a good time. It's escalating. It's escalating, not in a way that is making people feel uncomfortable. It's just escalating in a way that might be unsafe and, <laughs> eventually. And, and, and may I, may I point out that the that the beautiful Italian women did have submachine guns. So and they were very much in control. They were very much in control. And can very much be in control at, at any point. <laughs> you know, Thank I, you, Josh. I, Save us. <laughs> so, you know, I, I was going to go so far as to say, you know, the, the modern dandy doesn't set drinks on fire. But I don't like hard and fast no. like that. No. Um, but I will say, I, I, I will say that. Right? Like, I, I, don't need to, I don't need to dictate other people's behavior. I choose to frequent establishments where that would be unacceptable. In general, I, I like a place that is a, a quieter bar where I can have a conversation. Um, you know, I am super nerdy about my craft cocktails and my cocktails and, and everything, anything I drink. And it's just a different kind of environment that, that I seek out. And, you know, I think that is a bit of my, my brand and my personality it's not to say I won't go out with a bunch of friends to a beer garden or to a louder place, but if, if I'm choosing where I go, I'm going to a quieter place with better cocktails and, you know, bartenders who are practitioners of a craft and not, you know, the same bartender that has the, the brown, brown, better boozy and stirred shirt, you know, talks about the difference between places he's worked where he's been a bartender and places where he's been slinging drinks. And you get a different kind of experience at each of those places and I'm so, just I'm I'm not looking for sort of the loud sports bar sling and drinks, you know, you know, as you said, you know, half a half a bottle of a bullet is and a cherry is in Manhattan. Yep. You know, to me, a craft a cocktail has a recipe, just like just like food does. 
And there's nothing I, wrong with a glass gonna, of cold de- defend, bourbon. And yeah, I don't defend off the record. Off the record as an environment, if you haven't been there, is, is absolutely beautiful. One of mm-hmm. the most relaxing places in DC. Uh, I was just saying that their, their cocktails are sizable. Yes. Uh, was, was the point. They're the, there. And, and, and classic. Um, one thing about the flaming cocktails is that aside from the the sheer brutality that is the this the flaming Lamborghini, which is also fun, it's also fun to order and say. I I like fire in cocktails mostly because because I, you like fire. I'm not a pyromaniac, but I think that things on fire. I do like fire. It is true, and adding heat into a cocktail and doing so, and this is where the um, I can't remember her name. Um, at, uh, at at Captain Gregory's was was just a magician in that she could add the heat into the cocktail and it made the cocktail so f- fabulously spicy and rich because mm-hmm. the warmth was being consumed into the cocktail. That was an art form. Um, I think people get I, 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 and then I did accidentally burn my nose hairs, but. Things we go through. A gr- excellent grooming tip. Excellent grooming tip is like don't accidentally set your face on fire. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, I, I, um, I'm going to revise my, my remarks because you make an excellent point, and I, I'm thinking back to some specific cocktails I've had where you know the bartenders did have a 151 float, you know, maybe in in a lime peel kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it it does add you know some character to the the overall cocktail and to the experience, and, and it, it looks cool. And I was thinking more about like the flaming Dr Peppers or, or you know screaming Vikings or whatever you're going to have that is just like on fire for the sake of of spectacle. Yeah, there there are some very excellent cocktails that that are exquisitely made and do feature some element of fire that is. Either experiential or or flavor enhancing, so I'll, I'll back they're, off. My, they're coming, my they're coming for you, Liam. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. it's the Swiss police. They'd like to pass some words. <laughs> and in case that got edited, I, we could hear sirens in the back. <laughs> well, um, well timed, um, Mudcat. Anything to offer from from your aspect? Uh, I mean, if you're setting shit on fire, you've obviously signed up for a specific sort of good time. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, whether or not that's your idea of a good time is a different story. Um, <laughs> there's yeah, there's that uh, you know I'm playing the guitar with the pyrotechnics. I'm chasing down Max, you know, in a <laughs> desert kind of good time. <laughs> and there's and then there's the I'm going to squeeze the orange peel and light it on fire as I just put a little bit of extra into this Sazerac. Uh, I just I just had a sudden missing <laughs> surprise for you. I'm just going to be sad for a minute. No, it's exactly what I've been thinking about this whole time. <laughs> All right, let's get it. Let's turn those frowns upside down. <laughs> Dandies, what are we drinking? I'm still on my uh, I want to start with Mudcat. I think I just what, finished number three, but they're in pretty big glasses. <laughs> well, uh, set it on fire and get back the to 151 me. <laughs> float on your rum and coke. Josh, what are you drinking? So I, I've got a, a just some Blantons and a little bit of ice in a cup. Uh, but I'd actually, if we can follow this up after we go around the, the horn here with what is your go-to cocktail? I think I think that would be fun as well. Oh, uh, yeah, great. yeah. Good job. Yeah, we'll do that. 
Uh, sorry, uh, um, uh, Liam. What are you drinking? <laughs> uh, so, so I, I mentioned it earlier is that I'd, I've I'd made a slightly briny classic gin martini using uh, the the botanist gin from from Islay, which I I think is a beautiful balanced gin, uh, and the uh, Jack Rudy cocktail company Vermouth Olives, mm. which I just added a little tiny bit of juice to, and this is a a kit. We're, we mentioned last time, like what boxes do you get? I think Josh and I both subscribed to Bespoke Post, and they had a very fine martini kit. So I have alcohol stations in my house because I don't believe a dandy should be any th- more than three foot away from a drink at any point in time. <laughs> should have an upstairs more. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and so I have my whiskey station, I have my Negroni station, mm. and then I have my classic martini station. And this is a this was from my classic martini station. I want to start off with a, a favorite cocktail. So I, I often am spoiled by knowing some some very excellent bartenders, and it really did start from hanging out with Liam. <laughs> but but even before I, I had the pleasure, uh, you know, a lot of my music gin at my nose. <laughs> better than snorting gin through your nose, <laughs> or is it? Uh, but even before meeting Mia, uh, Liam, uh, I had a number of musician friends that would would work the bar and were trying to develop their their trades. So I am I am very bad at ordering drinks because I have no idea what to do. I just kind of show up places and people hand me drinks. But one thing that I had learned whilst being at the uh, what was the place I lived above the Beatrice Inn, uh, the bartender there offered me up a paper plane, uh, mm. which. Josh, you want to do me the honors? That's uh, Amaro, Lime, uh, Bourbon? I thought it was Aperol. An Aperol, yes. That's the one yeah. I always forget. You've got both. And then it, it's it's just this lovely pinkish color. So, you know, you, I get to throw people off with that, but it's, it's so good and it's not too sweet. So I really like to go for that. Um, and if it's done well, it's it's truly delicious. And it's a little bit off the beaten path of, of the traditional, you know, Negronis or Sazeracs and so forth. And uh, so I really enjoy a paper plane if it's done right. Josh, why don't you go next? What, what's your favorite cocktail? What's your yeah. go-to? So my, my go-to is the, the Vucure. It is a, mm-hmm. it's a New Orleans based cocktail uh, that a bartender I used to know uh, would tell an amazing story as he poured it into, into the mixing glass. And it is, it is the story of New Orleans in a glass and New Orleans is a city that's, that has a lot of influences over the years. Uh, it is an ounce of rye, which represents the American South, an ounce of cognac, which is the French influence of uh, New Orleans, an ounce of sweet vermouth, which is the Italian influence in New Orleans. And then a tiny bit of, of Benedictine. It's a little more France. Uh, Peychaud's bitters, which is a New Orleans, New Orleans derived product and uh, Angostura bitters, which is a, the Creole influence of the city. And it is it is my f- all time favorite cocktail. Good in any situation. And I'd agree. And uh, Josh, one of the things you, you recommended I do when I got my little cask was barrel age uh, Fucure, and uh, mm-hmm. that was a that was a superb recommendation. And, and, and I agree. I, I love New Orleans. And I love the New Orleans cocktails. Um, French seventy five, the classic French seventy five from Arnaud's, which is made with um, uh, cognac rather than than gin is is i think a much superior to the classic uh or the, or the typical uh gin french 75 agree the vucure the sazerac again it, it, it's all about the measures and the blend 
and it, that takes a little practice. And and one thing that my dandy lady did for one of my birthdays was that she recognized my love of a very well-balanced Manhattan. I'm very snobby on the Manhattan front. And so she went to my my favorite bars in San Francisco and asked the bartenders to teach her how to make a Manhattan. And she absolutely, and continues to absolutely, absolutely nail it in terms of selecting the ingredients. And again, I think there are a lot of bad or mediocre Manhattans. Uh, it's It's actually something that I think that when done well, like any of these cocktails, is tremendous sensation to consume because of the combination of the ingredients, creating something that was more than the individual parts. Is that why she's so good? You both came over and she was just making these Manhattans. I was like, man, I'm just going to have more of these. <laughs> she well, is so good. What she, what she what she also nailed was when we used to go down to Ocean Beach and have the bonfires on the beach. We had these like large like um, like uh, esky mugs that, but they take like um, twenty four ounces. And so she'd be making twenty four ounces of Manhattans. And so we'd go out with a lot of fire on Ocean Beach and be partying on, and people just getting smashed. Just like going, "What's up?" It's like, "Oh, this is delicious." And so there was like the Pacific breeze with the bonfire and the sun setting and, and and all of those kind of things. So going back to the situational thing, but it, it is all about the blend. It's that right balance. Going back to what Josh said right at the beginning, it's that right balance of the alcohol, the sweetness, the bitterness, and and anything that you're using to lighten the cocktail, whether it's water or ice or whatever it is, that makes the drink the experience uh, and then it's the environment that you're in and the people that you're with it's always the people that you're with mudcat close us out tell us in the smoothest voice what is oh. your drink of choice sir i mean i just love liquor a, a cocktail that we haven't talked about um i believe in a white russian i think it should be in the breakfast drink pantheon um, you know, when, when you can have a Bloody Mary, when you can have a mimosa, you can also have a white Russian, um, big, big, yeah. Oh, with pancakes, it's delicious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what isn't? I get the sense that if I let you guys keep going, we're all just going to be drooling and, uh, on our way to our it's favorite seven hour bar. episode. <laughs> 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 it, 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 it's it's so fun to kind of hear the camaraderie and the appreciation of, of the cocktail because uh, it's it truly is an art form and you know it takes a lot of effort on the behalf of the folks preparing it for you and and it's such an industry that we can go and and it's art that you can consume and uh you know unless you have uh, certain restrictions that that would keep you from doing so I, I highly recommend uh, you as listeners to to go out there and and really explore and, and find, you know, these flavors that you like, and, you know, it can be a fun experience. It can be a fun adventure. Um, go out, buy some suits, have some cocktails. Tip and, your bartenders. Uh, tip your bartenders. Tip your bartenders well. Tip the serving staff. Say it, thank you. It, it's an unappreciated, I think it's, I think people like take a lot of stuff for granted. And you know, the point that Josh made is that these people work hard at, particularly when they're creating the craft cocktails, when they're creating an experience for you, respect that and and respect the effort that they've put into to doing what they're doing. You know, 
Yeah, always pay, always pay your tab before setting the bar on fire. Now, but if you have any uh, comments, I'd love to hear from you listeners on what your favorite cocktail is. If you've got any fun uh, setting drinks on fire stories, email us at themoderndandy.life. Thank you all. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Liam, Josh, and Mudcat. We will see you next time. Right. Goodbye. Bye. Adios.